everybody. This is Kirk Henderson with uh, another episode of Kirk Your Enthusiasm. I'm joined today by a longtime friend. He's one of the OGs of basketball writing, despite his relative youth. Uh, Chris Barnwall spent a lot of time, I believe you were at At The Hive, running that site forever. You've been at CBS Sports before. You uh, wrote for Harvard Paroxysm. Uh, as well as I did for a brief amount of time, which is where we met. And you are currently a contributor to Uproxx. Do I have all that right? That is all correct. Well, Chris has been good enough to join me because the day this is going to go up, which should be Thursday, the Mavericks play the Orlando Magic for the second time this season. And I wanted to touch base because the last time the Mavs and Magic played was like the second or third week of the season. It was an ugly, ugly rock fight. Mavs weren't really in it. The Magic. Oh, that sounds like a Magic game. All right, that sounds like a Magic game. (laughs) But uh, but a lot has a lot has changed for the Magic because they're currently like in the eighth seed. They have twenty four wins, thirty one losses, and they have a kind of reasonable lead on the eighth seed. But they've ran into, from what I can tell here, a lot of injury problems. So before we kind of talk about the team as a whole, you know, do you know like what is going on with whom? All right, so Jonathan Isaac, he's pretty much out for the year. Um, their wing depth is just miserable. Augustine's missed a lot of time. He might be back. Seen an update on that because I just I haven't been able to pay as much attention as I'd like to in that area in injuries area. Um, they've missed just so many guys for significant amounts of time. Like Michael Carter Williams was out for a long period of time, which left Markel Fultz having basically the only go out there <laughs> so they had to call up um josh majette uh for a while from the g league before they eventually waived him to make room for uh, i believe it was gary clark they traded for james ennis to just kind of at the deadline just kind of bring in some wing depth i believe at some point just it's been a flurry of guys in and out in and out aaron gordon was dealing with achilles soreness at one point if if you really want to aspire to your dream of being an NBA player, just go to Magic Games and one day they might pull you from the stands and be like, put a uniform on you and just be like, sit there. We need like bodies. Like, it's well, been let's go. Just that bizarre. Let's go through some of these guys because I'm pretty. The, the Magic roster is just so fascinating. It's an experiment in like length because the Mavericks have kind of the opposite problem where they have Luca at six seven, D- Dorian Finney-Smith at six seven. And then every other player tends to be like six three or under or seven foot or taller. There's and whereas the 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 magic are just all sorts of lengths. So I'd like to start uh, briefly with your rec- with the magic reclamation project and Markel Fultz, who by by my understanding has actually kind of had a pretty good season uh, based on expectations. Yeah, Markel Fultz has been actually like for me a big surprise this year expect him to just kind of come in and go the way he did it it really has been kind of almost like an actual rookie year because he had all those issues in philadelphia was in and out of lineups the jump shot disappeared the injuries the sort of feud he had with the team it just it was all a disaster there and i wasn't sure if he was ever even going to put nba player because not because of the jump shot just because I didn't know if he was so burned by everything that happened or if the injury was that severe, if he just could be an actual legitimate NBA player again. It was really unfortunate and really surprising to think like, wow, he's this former number one overall guy. The Magic got him, what they get. And 
they might have the, they don't have the exact version of what the Sixers drafted all that time ago, but they have all the potential. They have the guy that you watch me like, Oh, there's the athleticism. There's the instincts. There's the moves. And every single game he plays, he gets better. Uh, like you see him make mistakes earlier in the season and they're not happening anymore. You see him make passes that he didn't see initially. You see him kind of make moves and get used to defenders. Like I think he was taking on Rudy Gobert one night and I'm going to sound really dumb if it wasn't <laughs> with the jazz yet, but I'm pretty sure it was Rudy Gobert. And you saw him kind of get a little confused by him early in the game. And then later in the game, he's like, attack. wow, this guy just, he has all those fundamentals and all those, uh, and all that skill that you want from a number four, number overall pick. And you kind of forget that's what he is and it's exciting, but still just completely surprising to me. Right, right. Well, the next player that I'm really curious about is coming up on, he's going to be one of the rare free agents that will probably fetch a price this off season. And I'm curious as to if you think he's worth it. Uh, is it Evan Fournier is a, is a free agent this year, right? Yes. Or, okay, so he can opt out of his contract, and I'd be shocked if he didn't, because he's going to be one of the better free agents on the market. What do you What do you think he's worth? Is he Is he a guy that that should be like the second best player on a team, or is he simply kind of going to be kind of a market beneficiary this year? He's going to be a market beneficiary. That does not mean he's not good. He should not be your second best player on your team. Absolutely not. The fact that he spent so long the best player is just kind of an example of how fundamentally flawed the magic have been for so long his best skill is attacking people on the weak side when the ball gets swung the other way and teams are trying to rotate over on defense he's so quick he can make really quick decisions he has a deadly shot sometimes uh he can be a little inefficient won't always hit he's having a great year right now which is awesome but i don't know if he's going to be worth the amount of money he's going to get because of the market benefit of the fact that he's going to be one of the better free agents out there this year, which you know how that goes when teams have money and all of a sudden they need to make a big splash. Right. Would like to say that if he's your fourth or fifth best, fifth best player and he's a starter, that's fine. I don't know if you're going to be how great that team is. I need to see who your other three or four guys are, but he's a a perfectly capable wing shooter that can attack the rim and create a little bit of offense. You don't want him creating much point guard a few years ago when they were doing that weird Sergei Ibaka Vucevic giant lineups thing that was just a complete and total disaster uh you don't want to be a, a like a point guard type but for what he is he's a very good player he's been one of the Magic's better players this year as better players this year as he should be I've been really impressed with him I was kind of low on him initially when he joined Orlando but he's just consistently gotten better he's kind of plateaued to what he's going to be so when a team gets them, they know what they're going to get. And I think they're going to get something good. I just don't know if – if you paid him 10 to $12 million, that'd be perfect. I think okay. that'd be perfect. If you start getting to that $15 million range, that's going to be a little bit of an overpay because he's going to have these down years where you're just going to really wish he wasn't doing what he's doing. <laughs> right. That makes sense. Well, there's a few more guys. I'm really – really curious about Mo Bamba's progression because two years ago heading into the draft the Mavericks seemed like a fairly reasonable destination for Mo Bamba just based on the roster that they had Mm 
I have a lot of Mavs fans that are still really interested in him, mainly because of the University of Texas ties. And frankly, just because he did such an excellent job of selling himself in the draft process. We've not really heard much. I know there's been some injury concerns, but how is his you know progression as an NBA big coming? It's, I want it to be, it started off this year positive. It was not good. Rookie big men are never good. Like mm. that's, that's just a factual statement that rookie big men are never good. Unless you have like a Kristaps Porzingis type where they're just, they have these bizarre set of skills. But when you look at him and what he was supposed to be, rookie big men are never good. Mm-hmm. And this year he started off the year really strong. He was making shot blocks. He was rotating well. And it's kind of careened off lately. I think some of that though has had to do with the fact that he's been playing in a lot of weird lineups. He was supposed to be playing next to Jonathan Isaac, Alfred Camino, Alfred Aminu, Aaron Gordon these defensive-minded wing types and Vucevic because they need power forwards. They need guys that can do that. He's been playing a lot of lineups like that. So it's kind of hurt him because that's not his skill. But at the same time, you kind of want to make the argument like, but shouldn't that be his skill? Shouldn't he be this fast kind of big rim-protecting type? Wasn't that his kind of MO coming out of college? Right. And he just, he's not really that. I don't know if the Magic are going to give up on him quite yet, but I would not, like, my personal opinion, I have no insight on this. This is not an insider opinion. This is a personal guess. If the Magic chose to move on from him this summer, that would not shock me. That's fascinating because he's just he's su- he's a set of intangibles. You can't teach being that tall. You can't teach no. being that long. But he just appears to be uh, one thing that I think fans and and maybe even teams to a certain extent constantly underrate is is uh, speed and quickness and when you're that big, you got to kind of have a special set of, of things that come together in the right way. And if he just hasn't shown that, then that's not, it's not the worst thing in the world because, you know, first round picks, I think sometimes get too many chances. You know, he might be able to play professional basketball, but whether or not he's an NBA player, there's just, there's a, there's a, a surplus of big men on the market. So maybe it's just not for him. That's interesting. I didn't know. I, I think he will end up being an NBA player, Mainly because, as you said, you can't teach size. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if he's going to be the top first round pick that he was, which that's fine. Not everyone yeah. works out that way. Helps into a solid rotation player. That is perfectly okay. I'm a big proponent of if you get a solid rotation player in the draft, you got you you succeeded. You don't. Where was he picked? Was he picked at eight? I think it was like five, wasn't it? It was really uh, de- high. Well, because the the Mavs picked fifth that year and traded back Sixth. for. Okay, so he went sixth. You know that that's okay. I mean, I really do like like rotational base player in the draft. It's not what fans want, but that's really what most of these guys end up being. You know, right. if, if if with thirty guys every year, there's only so many slots. You know, to be be a journeyman big is not is certainly nothing to scoff at in the NBA. And he does credit. This is a stat with a lot of missing context. He does have a positive net rating this year. Vucevic has a negative <laughs> net rating. <laughs> Like That's funny. Uh, when he's on the floor. So there there's that. <laughs> well, my next question, my next player kind of curtails into my next question. I'm interested in, you know, we just saw, I think you and I are in agreement about this. Aaron Gordon got robbed in the dunk contest. It's just a <laughs> breathtaking performance. I'm interested about his season, but also he, he is a player is kind of the marquee player with Jonathan Isaac out for the magic. What is the goal the rest of this year? Because 
you know, Gordon, he, he didn't get moved. He's on the team. The Maverick, they're, the Magic are in the AC. They could probably make the playoffs even with kind of this reduced roster just because that, that you know, 7 through 10 in the, in the East is a little bit of a is, is a little bit messed up. So what is going on with Gordon? And then where do you, like, what do you see the point of, of the, the rest of the Magic season? So with Gordon, he is one of the most frustrating players I've ever watched in my life in the sense where you see the skills. You see what he's good at. This dude is a phenomenal one-on-one defender. He is so athletic. He is so strong. He is like the perfect glue guy. Like, I don't want to say Draymond Green because they're completely different skill sets and what they're great at and what they're not. But he's just one of those guys that you put him on a roster and when he just does what he's good at, he's incredible at it and it makes everyone better. But Aaron Gordon wants to be LeBron. He wants Mm. to be the star. He thinks that's what he is. He will take the ball. He will break sets. He will dribble around. And when that happens, that's when the magic offense completely and totally falls apart. When he's at his best is when he's running the floor, making quick reads, just doing what he needs to do and playing to his phenomenal best. And they look incredible when he's like that. He's had these games this year where he's, all he was doing was catching the ball, making two dribbles, and either passing or shooting or doing what he needs to do. And it was phenomenal. And I somewhat understand why he is like this because you look at the way he's developed and what he's had to go through this entire career. Like the Magic haven't exactly supplied him with players to make him look good. Mm-hmm. Like, I like this year. When your best point guards you've ever had in your entire career are DJ Augustine and a player that forgot how to shoot at his, at his first stop you get a little concerned about what the team is putting around you. So I totally understand why he feels he has this need to create and do more. Like he does want to win. He wants a selfish NBA player. He just has this idea of like what he needs to do to make the team better. And I don't think he's correct in that assessment of himself. I don't think he should be focused on that. I like that he's out of the three point shot. It's been useful. I like that. He thinks he can handle the ball. It's useful in certain situations, but when he's breaking the offense to go do this stuff, and it's absolutely breaking the offense and it takes away from how skilled he is. I'm not sure if you saw the report around the trade a little bit after the trade deadline, there was a report from Sean Devaney over at heavy where the magic were apparently shopping him pretty hard at the deadline. That was the only one I saw, but they clearly know he might not be a good fit there and it might be time to kind of see where they can, what they can get for him. Hmm. Okay. Well, that, that then leads into my next question. So what in the heck are the magic doing? Like what is going on there? (laughs) They want to, they want to at least compete for the playoffs, which when you look at their previous history of what they've been since Dwight left, I understand why Mm -hmm. they want to be a team that competes for the playoffs and kind of just builds on the fly with what they got. Cause they have talented pieces. They have players, they have assets and I initially I understand what they're trying to kind of go for that of super athletic guys and then they kind of flip those assets into they want to kind of take what they have and then flip the players they don't want to keep into players they'll bring around long term kind of like everyone likes to compare everything to the process these days but kind of like a the process where teams don't lose or the team mm-hmm. doesn't trying to lose the draft at least for now they want to take players like a Bamba, like a Gordon, like an Isaac, and see how they fit. And if they don't fit, flip them and go get the players that do fit. I was initially kind of 
And you know they want to compete for the playoffs because I initially went into this year going, they do not pay Vucevic and Terrence Ross the money they're going to pay them because I think long, those guys just had career years. They're not going to repeat that, which they have not repeated their years they had last year. And that's going to limit you long term. And the Magic said, no, we want to win games. So because he's one of our few outside shooters and we're going to pay Vucevic because he's arguably our best player because that gives us the best chance to win games. I don't know if that was the correct move long-term, but that's what they've gone with. And it has put them in a playoff position right now. The issue is just my biggest issue concern with those. How are they going to score? And they can't score. Mm -hmm. Right. They can't score. So the plan obviously is to compete until you get what you, until you have the pieces and teams have done this before, but they're typically bigger markets. The Rockets, they used to do this all the time. They'd always be in the nine to eight seed race. And then they got James Harden and they became a contender. Sure. The, the Clippers did something similar for a couple of years while they waited to go get Paul Leonard. So teams do this, but they're typically bigger markets. It's way harder to do as a large, as a smaller market like the Magic because they either need to make the perfect trade, which maybe that's what they did with Fultz, or they have to get the perfect free agency spot, which players don't go to the Magic anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's no. free, free agents go to big markets. They, they don't go to small markets anymore. Well, and what can't be understated here, particularly if for, for Maz fans who don't understand – Jonathan Isaac is an all universe defender. Oh, he's, he's a from the day he joined the magic as a rookie. He was an NBA level defender, like a great one at that. Like for, for fans that would understand if there was a perfect wing player to play alongside Luka Doncic, I honest to goodness believe it's Jonathan Isaac. I Six, agree. nine can do anything with a basketball offensively, really, but defensively, he's just everywhere because, you know, size is a real benefit in the NBA. But when you pair size and instinct on the wing, you have an absolute horror show. That's what makes Kawhi Leonard so good. And he's, I, I would say they're, I mean, is it, do you think it's a stretch to say they're comparable defenders, Isaac and, and Kawhi? I really think that might be the case. Um, only because their defensive styles are very different. Isaac is more of a hang back and uses length to kind of swallow you alive kind of thing. Mm-hmm. While Kawhi is very much more in your face and uses the fact that he's so strong and quick to overwhelm his defender. He does have that length and those giant hands, which lets him get steals. Sure. But I but I understand where you're coming from. In the like sense the game like, impact, the way they can change yes. the way the game is going. Yes, completely. Like Isaac, when he is just locked in defensively, completely changes everything around him. He's like a universe... He's one of those few rare wings, which we're going to talk about another one that I thought might be this one day later. Um, he's one of those few rare wings that I think built around defensively, which you just don't see that teams do that. They build around big men. They build their defenses around big men, which makes sense. Isaac is long enough to where you can defend, you can build an entire defense around him. And often, and it's even better when you consider the fact that offensively, he's getting better every day. Uh, it's very disappointing that he's probably going to be out for this entire season. Yeah. He was having a phenomenal year. His shooting was coming around. He looked better on offense. And just when that offense eventually comes, when that offense eventually clicks for him, he has the potential to be a superstar. I, I legit think that maybe that's, maybe that's uh, wrong on my part, but I think that this guy has superstar potential. 
I, I, I tend to agree. It, it might not necessarily be as the first option, which is one of those things that are, is very difficult to assess in the NBA, but I am just, I've been transfixed with him for a real long time. He's, he's an outstanding player. Um, okay. Right after we get back from break, I have a couple more questions for Chris before we get out of here. Okay, I'm back with Chris Barnwell, and I want to talk to you because you used to run SB Nation site at the Hive, and you are very familiar with current Maverick off the buyout market, Michael Kidd Grillcrest. So first, like, what can you tell us about what we should expect? Because I actually think he's going to get playing time. I think he should get playing time personally if the fact that the Mavericks want to probably be a better defensive team than they are. MKG one of the most skilled, at least in Charlotte initially, he kind of has him down years the last couple of years due to the fact that all of Charlotte's everything has changed. But he is one of the most skilled defensive players I've ever seen in my life. Like the dude is so athletic. Not as lengthy as a Kawhi Leonard or an MK, or a Jonathan Isaac, as we talked about earlier, but he has length. He's so smart defensively. He's always in the right spot. He was always in the right spot in those old Steve Clifford defenses in Charlotte. He just knows what to do. He will attack. He can defend the team's best player. Um, I wouldn't recommend it to stronger guys like a LeBron James type will can handle him pretty decently well, but he can defend your team's the other team's best player if needed. And he's the uh, this great energy guy. Like you watch him out, the, you watch him run around. He's running around with his head on fire. He's grabbing rebounds. In fact, it used to be so much of a problem for him early in his career that multiples of his injury playing so hard that he got in these really bad situations and smacked into the ground and hurt himself. <laughs> yes, that was a legit problem. <laughs> he he hurt his shoulder doing that. Well, okay, so for Dallas, they play a bit of a drop coverage where they don't have a single good player who is a good man-to-man defender. Uh, some of our fans would get mad at me for saying that, but I've watched I've watched enough guys, you know, between the way the rules are with the, with the NBA now and how good some of the ball handlers are and then how bad some of the Mavericks team defenders are. It's like a, a mix of where they play this very conservative coverage where they're trying to force you into mid-range jumpers. What ends up happening is guys just get to the rim a lot, and then KP stands there to meet him. So I, I'm going to be very interested to see where they play him because I honestly think he he stands to play a little bit of of – stretch five with their bench units where he can where they can throw out a, a lineup of of you know maxi kleba is a really good off-ball defender too where they have a bunch of good off-ball defenders that can essentially cause chaos just by like being around and being in the passing lane does that like make sense from a concept to you it does and you were just saying how never one-on-one defenders that's that's an issue that actually mkg should hopefully help them with is that he can play that kind of one-on-one man-to-man defense that they so desperately need and he does have the ability to go play play passing lanes that you would kind of hope for i don't Mm. know if he'll play small ball five just because i don't think he has quite the size in him to do it he's strong so unless they kind of go with a rockets thing where they don't really care which which i think that that might be the case for like 10 or 12 minutes a game you know what I mean? Like against, I'm I'm talking against second units at most because if he's playing with their starters at all, then they have a whole different set of problems. You don't think he'll ever play with the starters at all? I think he might a little bit, but the problem is when you look at the way the Maverick roster is constructed, 
They have Luca, who's good. They have Porzingis, who is pretty good. Then they have Giant Chasm. <laughs> then they have Tim Hardaway Jr., who is fine on offense and terrible on defense. They have Dorian Finney-Smith, who is pretty good. But essentially, I would say they have a bunch of guys who are playing a peg or two above where it would be ideal for them in the in the rotation, if that makes any sense. Right. Because they just don't have a clearly cut third or fourth best player they have a bunch of guys who are like really pretty good fifth starters and that's kind of what mkg is so you're right he does kind of fit right into what's exactly everyone's going around in dallas but i will say to his benefit he's a piece that dallas kind of just desperately needs and he kind of provides an identity that they desperately lack which is just someone that is going to be defensive minded first sure and He is going to hurt your offense. It's disappointing that his jump shot never did come around and that offensively he is pretty limited. He is very much a just catch the ball and dunk kind of guy. I haven't really seen him show much ball handling skills. My, I remember early on in his career, my hope was that he was going to kind of turn into a Sean Mm -hmm. without the jump shot. And that just never came around. He's more like Tony Allen, if anything else. Um, And that's kind of what he's just going to be the rest of his career. And that's fine. I think he can really work out a good niche skill set doing that. And I mean, we've seen players like he's not quite as good. We've seen players like that be successful NBA players where they're just very focused. And as long as they're just good at this one area, they survive in the NBA. And I think MKG is going to do that. And he's going to provide that kind of option for Rick Carlisle and the Mavericks, which maybe they're out, maybe you're out there. And when you have an offense as good as theirs, like, you sometimes just four and five on offense. Maybe there's a night where they're getting torched by, we were talking about earlier, Evan Fournier. Maybe they're getting torched by Evan Fournier one night. Maybe they're getting torched by him this Friday. You can go throw an MKG out there and say, stop, but don't let Evan Fournier score another single bucket. And he'll at least, he'll contest them. He'll keep them, he'll keep them busy. He'll make it harder on them. Right. And that's, that's what I'm, I'm hoping for just a little bit of something because the Mavericks are playing a little above their weight class. One thing worth, I don't know, we're almost 30 minutes into the pod. So people who really like me are only going to be the ones that have listened this long. The Mavericks are going to be one of these teams that take a step back next year, record wise, just because the West will have uh, normalized some. That doesn't mean they're any worse. It's just, you know, when Golden State exists, it's kind of hard to to be this good. And it's it's going to be very frustrating for for guys to accept that the Mavs have ways that they need to improve that they can't just, you know, they drafted so poorly for years. They gave up assets to get both Porzingis and Luka. Eventually, you're going to have to pay a bill for that. And that's where it happens when you play these guys who are a little bit out of position. And so heading down the stretch, getting a, you know, they're 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 playing a pretty weak schedule the rest of February. I mean, they start off with the Magic, who they should beat, and then they play Atlanta the next night. So there's going to be opportunities for for Kid Gilchrist to get a look on the offense and hopefully Carlisle isn't so stubborn to where he just does what he always does. And, you know, only plays his, his eight or nine guys. I'm very hopeful that that kid Gilchrist gets a shot, but I will say based off of a lot of what you've told me the past several weeks is he seems like the kind of guy who Carlisle would want to give a chance mainly because one of his biggest assets is his ability to just play hard. And I don't think, a lot of people understand how valuable a skill that is in professional basketball. 
I, I'm one of the people that gives credit more credit to NBA players than they kind of get in the fact that a lot of them play hard. A lot of them try really hard. MKG is just that type, though, where, like, there's that one rebound where they could go get it, but they're kind of tired. Mm-hmm. MKG goes and runs after it anyways. As long as he's in the situation, he's happy in. You've seen him kind of in Charlotte the last couple of years. He hasn't been that right losing, and he just, I don't think he likes James Borrego. They tried to run him as a small ball four slash small center, and it didn't go well at all in Charlotte. But I think, again, that just has the issue with the fact that I don't think he agrees with Borrego philosophically, mm-hmm. and also the Hornets are terrible. <laughs> Makes sense. Well, before I get out of here, the last question I have for you is completely unrelated to basketball. What video games are you playing these days? Oh, I've been playing. This is some weeb ass stuff. I've been playing some. <laughs> Yaku- <laughs> I've been playing some Yakuza lately. The Yakuza series is phenomenal. It is a up games where you go beat the tar out of bad people throughout the fictional towns of the fictional town of um why is the name also escaping me uh just a fictional city a fictional city it's a red light it's red light district based uh you're the main character is kazuma kiryu and and is phenomenally fun to play with they're kind of fun little crime drama action games but what's really fun is the side story stuff that you do like so let's say in the main plot they're discussing the murder of some yakuza type and how this could mean bad stuff for you coming around and you could go to the next mission where you have to go do go play karaoke or golf for two hours which i've definitely never done no i've never <laughs> i've never spent a full hour getting my karaoke on and playing poker in the uh, local underground casino i've never done it in my life in yakuza they recently released the uh, last few remasters, um, and the fifth one came out. And me and my girlfriend have been playing through the whole series, and we love it so much. And that's what I've been just obsessed with lately. I'm not playing anything, but I finally broke down. I, I I've told you about this in Slack. I broke down and bought No Man's Sky. And Ooh, then... that's that could be good. It could be terrible for my life <laughs> and for my marriage. I've been oh, no. I've been reading about it and like. This is like the perfect black hole for me to just lose like my entire life to where I could because anything that's like low key task oriented. uh, I always love like memes and jokes on the Internet where it'll show like a crazy dressed person and the you know line underneath is like this is the quest giver for all and you know for all uh, (laughs) RPG because I just I can't help myself and it seems like there's so much to do in this game. I'm just. Mavs fans, you need to bother me to put up content because otherwise I, I just might fall into a, to a content hole with, with No Man's Sky because it looks like there's an infinite amount of crap to do. And like that is bad for somebody like me. Or like No Maverick Sky. Right, for sure. Well, thank you for hopping on to talk to me today. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to be very interested to see how the rest of this goes out. I will be plugging in the article, in the post that I put up. You wrote a really fun remembrance of jason richardson's uh 2003 dunk contest performance and you know it's been 17 years you're right in that it's lost to history but what's really cool is that we have great video of it and i really enjoyed your post with this so i'm going to share this uh in the link that i put up thank you that was a fun little trip for watching some of it as a kid little young kid and then rewatching, i was like oh this is still awesome <laughs> yeah he's he was awesome he was unbelievable anyway this has been uh, kirk henderson and chris barnwall i appreciate you very much chris and we will uh see you guys out there this week